The following pre-recorded program is paid for by SSI Guardian. Welcome to Living Well with Dr. Peg with your host, psychologist and author, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Living Well with Dr. Peg explores a variety of mental health, wellness, and safety topics brought to you by SSI Guardian. Living Well with Dr. Peg shares effective and practical psychological strategies based on biblical principles for living well and staying safe. To listen to previous episodes, learn more about Dr. Peg's mental health and safety workshops, or to register for an upcoming VIP personal transformation retreat. Visit drpegradio.com. And now, here's your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Hello, listeners. I'm glad you're here with me for another episode of Living Well with Dr. Peg, which is brought to you every week by our sponsor, SSI Guardian. And I'm coming to you from Denver, Colorado, and streaming around the world online and from your smartphone apps. And if you missed last week's episode or any episode of Living Well with Dr. Peg, be sure to go to drpegradio.com. Com for the program archives. And you can listen to a variety of topics ranging from mental health to managing your finances and making behavior changes. Now, if you're working on experiencing lasting change in some area of your behavior or your life and you want to move into a new season, I'd like to invite you to register for a Do Something Different for a Change VIP Personal Transformation Retreat. You'll enjoy a full day of refreshment, personal reflection, and strategic planning privately, or with a small group of motivated individuals. And together, we'll explore where you are, where you want to go, and identify what's holding you back. And you'll leave with an individualized plan to accelerate your personal transformation and help you move into your new season. Go to drpegradio.com to reserve your spot in a Do Something Different for a Change personal transformation retreat. And speaking of new seasons, spring is almost here And parents, that means it's time for spring break. And spring break often means fun for the whole family, but spring break can also be a dangerous time, especially for college students if they don't use wisdom and throw caution to the wind on the uh, infamous spring break trip. To offer his insights and sage advice, my guest today is law enforcement expert Ken Hilt, and Ken Hilt has over 30 years of police experience in both traditional and campus policing, and he's a retired campus police chief from Pikes Peak Community College and retired commander with the El El Paso County Sheriff's Department, as well as an SSI guardian, certified executive instructor, Ken Hilt. Thanks for being on the phone with me from Colorado Springs, and welcome to the program. Thanks, Dr. Peggy. Uh, uh, Pleasure to be here. It's wonderful to have you. I taught at um, Community College of Aurora for many years, and I uh, was a faculty member at Red Rocks Community College for a couple of years, and so I have several friends and colleagues from Pikes Peak Community College from the psych department. Uh, huge campus down there, isn't it? It is. Uh, uh, when I was there, we had uh, four different uh, campuses and over 20,000 students. And, you know, in the community college arena, you know how that goes. Uh, some of those students may only be taking one or two classes per semester, but that's a lot of people on and off your campus on a regular basis and a little bit of a different dynamic than at the traditional four-year universities. Mm-hmm. And you have all walks of life at a community college um, from even as young as maybe 16-year-old high school concurrent enrollment students all the way up to adults, maybe even in their 70s, 80s, taking classes, lifelong learners, uh, and everything in between. Uh, and um, it probably just presents a lot of unique challenges, I'm sure. 
Uh, absolutely, and you know, uh, a lot of veterans uh, who mm-hmm. are taking advantage of, of benefits that they have truly earned and uh, looking to get a new start in life and uh, other people who have been uh, uh, exposed to some challenges and need a, a chance to start over. There are, uh, you know, single parents uh, that suddenly have to find themselves in uh, search of skills and trades to start a new life. Uh, and it is an exciting uh, time, and it, uh, I enjoyed my time there. In addition to being a police chief, I was a member of the criminal justice faculty there as well, as you might expect. And uh, uh, I had a great time uh, with my experience as a community college and being able to uh, help some students uh, find their way. Yeah, excellent. And now in your role as a um, SSI Guardian Certified Executive Instructor, um, you can bring all of that wealth of experience and teaching expertise uh, to help keep um, uh, students, faculty, staff, and visitors safe um, through our advanced uh, training that Guardian offers. You know, Guardian uh, is at the forefront. I've seen a lot of well-intentioned programs, uh, but Dr. Peggy, as you're well aware, because I've I've watched you give the presentation uh, several times, but uh, no one does it uh, quite the way Guardian does. It is a it is a very polished and uh, multifaceted uh, program uh, that Guardian presents, and uh, you know, it's not just simply. you know, hey, lock the doors, or you know, learn how to learn how to physically defend yourselves. Uh, as you're well aware, the, the Guardian program talks about threat assessment and, and vulnerability assessment, and and uh, has some uh, hardware that they offer everything from locks to defibrillator kits to stop the bleed kits to their ready op program, which is that mass communications program that we use, which is so important mm-hmm. nowadays to sound the alarm and that kind of thing. I'm proud to be part of uh, Guardian, as I know you are. Yes, absolutely, and just uh, proud and grateful to have them be the sponsor of our program. Well, let's talk about spring break. Uh, excuse me, spring break, Ken. Uh, during spring break, we know families um, often travel on vacation all over the U.S. or overseas. And certainly college students are notorious for taking spring break at the beach. Uh, Let's talk about some important things that everyone can do to stay safe. And our show today is not about gloom and doom or even raining on the spring breakers parade, but it's about giving parents and students information that they um, so that they can have fun and still enjoy spring break safely. So let's let's start out by talking about uh, a, a notorious kind of infamous um, tragic uh, case, and it wasn't actually a spring break uh, case, uh, but it certainly has a lot of the same, same elements that we want to talk about in terms of prevention. And that was the disappearance of Natalie Holloway that occurred while she was on a graduation trip with her classmates in Aruba in May of 2005. So let's start talking about um, some of the things that um, happened in that case, and um, I I think it might be accurate to say that Natalie Holloway's disappearance could really serve as a a teachable moment, and our our thoughts and prayers go out to her family and loved ones. Um, Her her death, her her disappearance was ruled, um, she was never found, and and, um, uh, she was pronounced legally dead after a long search. So talk to us a little bit about that case. Yeah, Natalie's disappearance is a, is a truly tragic uh, a story. And as you pointed out, uh, it was actually a, a graduation trip, a high school graduation trip. 
And, uh, you know, when we say, hey, we're going to Aruba, you know, uh, certainly that doesn't raise any red flags, uh, uh, not normally considered a dangerous place to travel or anything like that. And so, uh, you know, Natalie was 18 years old and uh, traveled with several of her classmates uh, uh, to Aruba to have a good time. And, of course, you know, you're away from home. And, uh, you know, as, as parents everywhere, myself included, uh, we just know that that is a, uh, uh, that's a dangerous time and uh, a worrisome for parents. You know, we trust our, we trust our children. We've raised them right. Uh, we expect them to exercise good judgment. But, in fact, they are away from home. And there are certain um opportunities and challenges uh, and predicaments which face them when they are uh, away from home and they are by themselves and quite frankly they don't have the experience to deal with um, you know at 18 years old you haven't faced a lot of life or death situations uh, and uh, you know you're thinking uh, these are these are fun people um, you know uh, I think uh, as any internet story will tell you or those uh, of your listeners that are familiar with the case, uh, you know, uh, everything was fine and uh, nobody really became suspicious of anything up until the date that uh, Natalie didn't uh, appear for her flight that morning. Um, and uh, when she didn't show up for her flight, that's when people started becoming concerned and, uh, uh, her friends had, of course, recognized that uh, she had gone to a local nightclub uh, on the island, and uh, she had bumped into some local residents there. Uh, and, uh, you know, from all accounts, these were fun guys to be around, handsome, charming, and such. And as is all too often the case, uh, there was alcohol involved, mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, you know, that is going to become a recurrent theme uh, time and time again. And, you know, when you did your intro, you said, we look, we don't want to do make a doom and gloom story out of all of this. And, you know, but unfortunately, I am the master of disaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm just not a lot of fun at parties. You know, I'm looking for the nearest exit. I'm, 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 I'm watching people's behavior and uh, you know, it was not easy for my daughters uh, to grow up with uh, with uh, uh, Ken as their dad, you know, because I unfortunately looked at uh, so many of those type of circumstances. Mm-hmm. And so she she disappeared, um, didn't show up for her flight. Her friends last saw her at the nightclub with these three men. Uh, they they said they dropped her off at her hotel and denied knowing whatever came of her. Uh, her body was never found, uh, and the case does remain unsolved. Uh, And as you pointed out, um, there was heavy drinking involved, partying involved, and uh, we just don't know what really happened. Uh, But what can we learn about this case uh, by by just looking at uh, the scenario? And again, using it as a a teachable lesson um, for spring breakers getting ready to go out and and have some fun. Right. I I was also the major crime lieutenant uh, when I was at the sheriff's office for seven years. And, of course, that would include sexual assault. And I am very sensitive to 
the premise of, of victim blaming. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there is no amount of alcohol that any person can drink, or there's no, there's no way that they uh, can dress or anything like that that would justify someone uh, per- perpetrating a crime upon them. It does, just because someone's drunk doesn't give you the right to to uh, victimize them. Thank you. Absolutely. Yes. But that having been said, we also know that it makes uh, it makes them more susceptible to being victimized. We know that uh, uh, sometimes uh, uh, when people are looking for victims, they will purposely seek someone out who is less capable of taking care of themselves. And you, what we know is we know that alcohol uh, lowers our inhibitions. And, and it reduces our physical capabilities to, to, to defend ourselves. Um, there is a, uh, a retired FBI agent by the name of Ron Knight, uh, as in Knight in Shining Armor. And uh, Ron was assigned up to the FBI field office in Denver for years and years. And uh, he had family members down here in the Springs. But uh, when he retired, he became uh, associated with a program called My Silent Witness. And uh, uh, this was in the early advent of cell phones and photographs and taking selfies and such. And, and uh what uh, Ron and his colleagues did is they had uh, created this program where you could take a selfie uh, of yourself and you know whoever else you were meeting or such, and you could send it to a particular site where it stayed uh, online, and you could arrange to have it deleted at another time or what have you. But one of the things and uh, that that did. And um, was is it would put that person on notice. For example, uh, Dr. Uh, Peggy, if you and I met uh, somewhere at a nightclub in Aruba, and uh, let's say by by some uh, stroke of luck uh, you found me attractive and charming, uh, and uh, you chose to uh, give me the benefit of your time. Um, and let's say we said, gosh, it's kind of loud here. You know, maybe we could go get a cup of coffee somewhere. Uh, one of the things that you might do is you might say, well, sure, you know, let me take a picture. And, you know, and you go, let me send this to my brother or let me send this to my girlfriend. Uh, and, and you send that picture and you're telling me this at the same time. Now, that kind of puts me on notice, does mm-hmm. it not? That listen, they've got my picture. She just told them my name, uh, and you know, uh, you might even so far as to go, um, you know, God, uh, you know, hey, we're getting into his car. You know, it's uh, you know, 2014 Ford Mustang. You know, this color. You know, you can add all of that into it. And uh, I know you think that that might be over the top, but Dr. Peggy, I assure you, somewhere my daughters are nodding their head right now going, that's what daddy taught us. Mm-hmm. So that's a, just and, a and, preventative measure. Again, everyone has the right to go on a date, wear what they want to wear, drink however much they want to drink, and we can use some strategies that make it less likely that we would be victimized uh, in a crime. 
you're certainly telling the person that you're getting ready to leave with, um, I'm letting others know who you are mm-hmm. and that I'm leaving with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and so, uh, and in this day and age, who's not taking cell phone pictures? Who's not taking selfies? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it is it is very easy to do now, uh, so that's certainly that's certainly one way uh, that uh, Natalie might have might have been able to protect herself in 2005. And let's recognize that that was uh, uh, 12 years ago mm-hmm. uh, as well. So. Yeah, and so you kind of bring up a, a good related point: is even though she may have just met them in the last couple days that she had been on this school trip. Um, it's not always strangers per se. It's people that we we may have just met them, but we have met them. We've spent time with them, and we have this sense that they're safe. Um, so talk a little bit about kind of the, on the one hand, the myth of stranger danger, and on the other hand, yeah, we should be mindful and aware of strangers as well. Gosh, that, you know, isn't it heartbreaking that when we when we think of who we're in danger from, uh, the the conventional wisdom is is that we're in danger from from strangers and hence the term stranger danger and certainly that uh, should be given its due but I think uh, both in your professional life and certainly in mine we recognize that we're actually most often hurt uh, by people we know most of the cases of of assault. Are, uh, are inflicted by persons that the victim was familiar with. Most of the cases of sexual assault are inflicted by persons that the victim knew or had a relationship with or something like that. Uh, the, the, the actual amount of, of crimes perpetrated by strangers, persons' crimes perpetrated by strangers, uh, is, is, is less than that perpetrated by those that we know. And, mm. you know, gosh, we can just point at the domestic violence uh, uh, statistics alone and recognize that, um, you know, there is there's something that happened between people who presumably care and love one another, uh, and and yet those numbers are are uh, overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So what can we do then um, to to make make it less likely that we will be victimized? And again, I so appreciate you making the comment, especially as it pertains to sexual assault, that it's never the victim's fault. Uh, I I had a uh, went attended a training recently where the the trainer said uh, she should be able to stand on a table in a restaurant in the middle of downtown, totally naked and drunk, and expect to be safe. You know, it's never your fault, no matter what you did, how you were dressed. Um, And at the same time, there are strategies, things that we can do to mitigate our risk. Uh, We talk a lot on this show about situational awareness. Uh, How how would that play into um, reducing the risk of, of being a victim of a crime, especially from an acquaintance? Yes, um, and of course, I, I agree wholeheartedly that that person should should be able to stand on that table if she or he uh, so chooses to. That is, however, not what I would recommend. Right, of course. And uh, 
and and uh, I don't think that that oftentimes gets the the its proper due. But situational awareness, uh, one of my favorite phrases, and um, you know, it starts on the most obvious uh, obvious. Uh, 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 obvious kind of points and police officers in general are, are are generally taught about situational awareness over and over and again and most uh most typically this is the thing that you know hey i always sit with my back against the wall hey uh, i i know where uh you know i know where the nearest exit is um and one of the things that i want to point out about the nearest exit is that um, it's not necessarily the way you came in. If you've ever gone into an auditorium, you know, there are the doors that fill in from the back. Well, you know what? If you're sitting towards the front, your nearest exit may be through the stage, right through the curtains. Uh, I can almost guarantee that. Um, and what are uh, human tendencies? The human tendencies are to head towards the nearest exit, you know, uh, which, of course, would be where they came in at. Right? Mm-hmm. And it's like what yeah. our flight attendants tell us, um, you know, take a moment now and look for your nearest exits, keeping in mind the nearest exit may be behind you because we forget right. to, to look around. Right. And if and if your listeners have had the pleasure of uh, uh, watching the, the movie called Sully about mm-hmm. Captain uh, Chesley Sullenberger's uh, Miracle on the Hudson, as it is referred to, uh, one of the things that is repeatedly uh, uh, pointed out is how often he had rehearsed mm. and practiced for those types of emergencies. And so one of the things that is big about situational awareness is kind of playing the what-if game. What would I do if a fight broke out right here? How would I get away from the problem? What would I do if uh, that, you know, a fire broke out right here? What would I do if a gunman entered the theater uh, that I was in? Um, You know, uh, where is my nearest exit? Uh, How am I going to get out of here? How am I going to to not be where the problem is? That is, of course, uh, the the simplest solution to uh, any any problem is is don't be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so the situational awareness and then um, uh, there is an author uh, written a couple of books on personal safety uh, by the name of Gavin De Becker and uh, probably one of his most uh, uh, popular books was called The Gift of Fear. And I recommend it to anybody, but he says something to the effect of, uh, and I I think uh, this may not be his original uh, quote, but, you know, uh, only humans have the capability of blushing and being embarrassed, and they're also the the only species that has a reason to be. Mm. Uh, But but one of his key themes is trust your instincts. Trust your instincts. If something or someone is not making you feel uh, comfortable or you feel uncomfortable, he says that you should trust your instincts and go ahead and remove yourself from that situation. And, you know, while you may or may not be able to uh, completely leave that area, perhaps you're just putting a barrier between yourself and the person or thing that is making you uncomfortable. 
you know, maybe you're, maybe you move a little further away. Maybe you, uh, stand up out of your chair and place your chair in front of you, uh, you know, and place the chair between you and that person. Uh, but he encourages people to trust their instincts. And he, he gives a, another example from uh, uh, the animal kingdom. He says, uh, you know, if you're a hunter, and, and I, I am, uh, if you're a hunter, if you've ever seen the you know, proverbial deer in the meadow, uh, and when the, when the deer hears a noise, uh, it does not look and, and presumably go, um, gosh, what was that? Oh, well, it was probably nothing. I'm being silly. Uh, and then just stay there. Generally, at the first noise, the deer is gone. That's right. Uh, but yet humans have this, have this tendency to to venture into denial. Hey, what was that? Oh, it was probably nothing. Uh, and, you know, you and I, through our, our association with Guardian, we've uh, uh, learned that from... Um, uh, uh, Ken, let me, let me interrupt you there. We're going to go to a break, and we'll talk more about responding in an emergency. Don't go away. This is Denver's all-new 94.7 FM, The Word. One needs to look no further than today's headlines to understand the threats facing American schools. They remain soft targets for violent threats, and yet our schools go largely underprepared. Our children deserve the highest level of education in the safest learning environment possible. The SSI Guardian QAL, or Quick Action Lockdown, is the fastest and safest way to lock down a classroom. This revolutionary device provides schools with maximum locking protection while meeting all safety, fire, and building codes. Designed by the leading lock experts in the world, the QAL is the only lock that meets Department of Homeland Security primer recommendations. SSI Guardian QAL now makes classroom lockdowns fast and safe with the red button. As a parent, you have every right to demand that your child is afforded the best classroom protection. Take action today by calling SSI Guardian at 877-878-5800 or go to guardianprotect.com. That's guardianprotect.com. With SRN News, I'm Ron DeRockstra. Vice President Mike Pence calling on all Republicans in Congress to support a House bill to overhaul the Affordable Care Act. During a speech in Kentucky, the vice president says total GOP support will be needed, quote, to seize the opportunity to repeal and replace Obamacare once and for all. President Trump says the U.S. Secret Service did a phenomenal job of apprehending a troubled person who got into the White House grounds last night. Security Service, uh, Secret Service, that is, say the individual was arrested on the South grounds after climbing uh, an outer perimeter fence on the east side of the White House near the Treasury Department. U.S. uh, high-profile attorney Pete Baraha in New York tweets he's been fired after refusing Attorney General Jeff Sessions' request to quit. Baraha said he'd received assurances last year from Sessions and President Trump that they wanted him to stay on. This is SRN News. 94.7 FM, the word. If you are a Colorado veteran and you are not in a VA mortgage, you've probably been lied to. If you're a veteran and not in a VA mortgage, 99% guaranteed you're paying too high a rate, throwing away thousands of dollars a year to a bank that will never tell you they're taking you for a ride. As a vet, you're entitled to use a VA loan over and over again. You should be paying zero in mortgage insurance, and you can take out 100% of the value of your home for paying off credit cards. Your bank is never going to tell you how much you're throwing away. 
but I will. I'm Brian Murphy, owner of Front Range Mortgage, a local Colorado-only mortgage team that has helped hundreds of veterans to drop their mortgage insurance, save thousands, lowering their payments, and pay off high-interest credit cards. Call me and my local team for a painless five-minute conversation to see how much we can save you. Our number, 303-500-1900. That's 303-500-1900, or visit FrontRangeMortgage.com. And I'm last 378844, regulated by the Division of Real Estate. I'm Jay Farner, president of Quicken Loans. Housing values nationwide have risen by more than 6% year over year. Quicken Loans has smart ways to help you take advantage of your home's rising equity. In fact, you could take cash out to consolidate debt. The rate today on a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 4.18%, APR 4.35%. Call 800-QUICKEN today or go to quickenloans.com. That's 800-QUICKEN. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. Licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. After the loss of a loved one, your focus is on your family and grieving the loss, not managing their estate. Hi, I'm Tony Sterniolo, a Christian attorney. At the offices of Tony Sterniolo, we can support and counsel you through the entire probate process. Probate does not need to be lengthy, expensive, or complicated. I will help heirs and beneficiaries clear title to assets as easily as possible. After the funeral, let us handle the legal steps so you can focus on your family. Call me, Tony Sterniolo, at 831-4400. That's 303-831-4400. To learn more about living well with Dr. Pegg, visit drpegradio.com. And now, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Welcome back, everyone. I'm here with law enforcement expert and retired campus police chief Ken Hilt. And we're talking about um, safety during spring break for college students, for parents, for families, for individuals uh, traveling in the, U- in the U.S. and abroad. And we're talking right now about um, the importance of situational awareness and um, not being too embarrassed to uh, pay attention to your instincts Uh, Asking yourself those what-if questions. What if someone were to uh, come in here right now with a gun? Or what if I felt um, threatened by someone? What would I do? And as humans, can we we do have that fight-or-flight response? And scientists also point out there's a fight-flight-or-freeze response. And we see it in the animal kingdom. I have little bunny rabbits who frolic around where I I live, and when they get um, frightened, they freeze. <laughs> and for for us as uh, human beings, that's not always the best response when when it's time to to evacuate, time to run. Uh, freezing is not always the best thing. So how do how do we overcome that, uh, uh, Ken? You were talking about just really situational awareness and the the what ifs. How do we, how do we overcome that? Right. The common phrase is always fight or flight, but as you pointed out. Uh, actually, one of the more prevalent ones is to freeze, i.e. do nothing. Mm. And that is something that uh, uh, is probably innate uh, in, in us, mm-hmm. uh, but it is, it is a very bad strategy unless you're hiding in the dark. If mm. you're hiding in the dark, your movement uh, will, will make you detectable. Uh, to whoever is stalking you. But if other than that, you know, please, please, please do not do the, you know, stereotypical, you know, stop, drop, and hide under the, the desk. You know, that is, a, that's, that's a bad, bad strategy. Uh, please don't just wait your turn to get hurt. Mm. Um, instead, you know, try to move when, when you can. But 
another another uh, thing that I was getting ready to touch on before we went on break was was the denial thing. Mm. And uh, there is a a very very good book that I would recommend to any of your listeners, and it was called uh, The Unthinkable. Who Survives Disasters and Why? And it was written by a New York Times reporter named Amanda Ripley. And when it was recommended to me, I took a little bit of exception to it. You know, I was kind of thinking, you know, I'm a public safety professional. Uh, You know, I I really don't think I'm going to learn much from a, a New York Times reporter on that. But what she had done is she had studied these uh, uh, disasters, and one of the things that she pointed out was uh, our refusal to believe what is happening mm. to us. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you and I know from my experience through Guardian and the active shooter uh, uh, training that you know gunshots kind of sound like pops. You know, mm. you know they don't they don't necessarily whistle and ping like they do in the movies. And uh, a lot of times when people hear those noises, they will look at one another, they've never heard them before, and they'll say, what was that? And someone will go, I don't know. And, you know, was that gunshots? Well, it sounded like balloons popping. It sounded like firecrackers. It sounded like someone dropping books. And there's actually this denial, uh, almost, uh, they're almost begging that it's not what they Fear that it might be. Amanda found out that when they interviewed the survivors, mind you, the survivors mm. of uh, the uh, Twin Towers, the 9 11 uh, uh, tragedy, um, that on average they, they waited like six minutes before they started evacuating. Mm. They answered emails, they made phone calls. Before they started evacuating the building, there's this denial that this is actually really happening. And so one of the things that we want to do, just like Captain Solenberger, is we want to already think about it and and articulate and have a plan what we want to do in the event something bad uh, were to happen. I... Uh, uh, Shortly after 9-11, I had gone to the movies. I went to go see the movie. I remember it clearly. It was called uh, We Were Soldiers Once and Young. And uh, I had gone to that movie, and in the middle of the movie, uh, someone set off some fire alarms. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had my in-laws with me. I had my wife with me. And... I'm leading. I'm I'm heading towards the exit. I know where I'm going. I'm on my way out. And some, um, we'll say, assistant manager or something, uh, a person of authority, tried to stop us from leaving. And you know, it's nothing. It's just this. It's just that. Um, I wasn't going to be dissuaded. Mm. I had already made up my mind. I'm going. I was not too embarrassed to leave. I'll take my tickets. We'll come back on another day. But I'm not taking your word for it that we're all okay. Mm-hmm. And so, so you 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 
rehearse, you mentally rehearse what you're going to do in those kinds of situations, and then you act decisively when that comes, and you're not worried that it's going to be inconvenient. Gosh, Ken, you're kind of ruining the party here. You know, we were hoping to watch this movie and enjoy it, um, and now we've got to leave, and we'll come back on another day. Uh, I don't apologize for that. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Nobody in my family actually ever really held me accountable for kind of spoiling the afternoon uh, that day. Right. It's it's one of those cases of better safe than sorry. Um, so rehearsing and asking the what-if questions really so critically important. I always tell people, if you have to ask, was that gunshots? What was that? If you have to ask that, assume it is and take action based on that assumption, even if, as you said, later you laugh at yourself and realize you may have overreacted. It could save your life, those extra few minutes. I agree. Absolutely. Well, let's talk more about uh, spring break specifically and the kinds of trips that people tend to take. Um, what what are people really most likely to be in danger of in terms of um, being on vacation, being at a resort, being, you know, at Daytona Beach and some of the iconic spring break shot, uh, spots? What What's really likely to happen um, short of the things we've talked about with Natalie Holloway being an unfortunate, tragic example? What are the real likely day-to-day things that could happen when people are on vacation? Well, you know, we've already talked about uh, how alcohol affects our inhibitions. Mm-hmm. And so I guess the first thing that uh, I would say yet again, I guess I'm being redundant, uh, would be to moderate your use of alcohol uh, and and be aware. Uh, you know, enjoy it uh, if that is uh, what you enjoy to do. Uh, but but be aware that you're lowering your ability to take care of yourself uh, when, in, in fact, uh, uh, if you become intoxicated. Um, and, of course, you know, we are going to meet some strangers. They are going to be uh, uh, attractive. They're going to be exciting. They're going to be charming. Uh, but, you know, people act differently when they think that there is some degree of anonymity involved. And so uh, I would make sure that we're uh, going to involve some of our friends, you know, where we can. Uh, I think that uh, we're going to, you know, take pictures. I, I think we're going to avoid being in bad places. Uh, uh, you know, we're we're going to uh, uh, let the strangers know that that you know we're we're not an easy target, mm-hmm. and this is what this is what we in law enforcement sometimes refer to as hardening the target. You know the the proverbial you know I've got an alarm system outside of my house, but you do not. Mm-hmm. You know uh, it doesn't mean that uh, my things are more valuable than yours, but what it what it what it does send is a message of, you know, all things being equal, is is this house a easier target than the one with the um, without the alarm? Alarm, right? Yeah, right. So let's let's talk and, about something that might be very common uh, is theft. Uh, what can we do to protect ourselves from theft while on spring break? 
you know, the other day, um, as my as my daughter was uh, heading back to uh, her assignment, um, I had uh, some cash to give her, and she goes, "Dad, I've got no place to to keep that cash, and besides, I use my card all the time." And uh, you know, so there I stood, holding the cash, feeling a little more stupid than usual, and and feeling every bit of my age. Uh, and she says. Uh, that she uses her card all the time. So one of the things I wanted to point out is, is that, uh, you know, we all tend to want to use our debit cards a lot. And while our banks are really uh, uh, friendly about uh, it and, and helpful when uh, our debit cards become hacked, in fact, they have no legal obligation to do so uh, to offer you that protection with your debit card. You actually have more legal protection with your credit card. Uh, so I advise that, and I, I realize that, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, certain credit counselors and such and people uh, uh, who give advice on financial management would disagree with that, but I'm just letting you know that if, you're, um, if you use your credit card and it becomes hacked, the most that you can ever be held accountable for is $50. But if your debit card becomes hacked, your bank often does, but does not have to cover your losses mm-hmm. on that. And then meanwhile, you're you're bouncing checks and whatnot. Uh, Ken, yeah, we're going to go to a, a, a break. Uh, so when we come back, I want to talk about perhaps some of the other um, practical tips uh, for avoiding uh, theft Um should people use money belts? Um, what about the maid? <laughs> I always hide my stuff in my suitcase um, and, uh, you know, assume if someone really wanted to steal from me, they'd probably, that would be the first place they'd look is in my suitcase. Uh, so just some practical tips about out and about on the town, safety in your hotel to avoid theft. Uh, and then we'll also talk when we return about things to consider when traveling abroad, specifically in other countries, uh, understanding the difference between travel warnings and, and travel alerts. My guest is law enforcement expert and retired campus police chief Ken Hilt. I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Please stay with us. You're listening to Living Well with Dr. Peg. This is Denver's all-new 94.7 FM, The Word. Schools can no longer afford not to invest in a professional, evidence-based, advanced safety education training program. It's the single most important decision and investment a school administrator will ever make in their professional career. When all else fails, training and preparation are the only things that will increase your chances of survival in a violent incident, such as an active shooter or act of terrorism. SSI Guardian has set the new standard in advanced safety education by providing evidence-based, advanced training programs tailored to your needs. While there are many basic training programs largely based on opinion and emotion, SSI Guardian is the only advanced training program of its type with an accredited continuing education unit or CEU issued by an accredited university. SSI Guardian has set the new standard in advanced safety education by providing evidence-based advanced training and solutions to learning institutions, faith-based and professional organizations. To learn more, call SSI Guardian today at 877-878-5800 or visit guardianprotect.com. To learn more about living well with Dr. Peg, visit drpegradio.com. And now, Dr. Peggy Mitchell Clark. Welcome back. 
Welcome back, everyone. I'm talking with law enforcement expert, retired campus police chief Ken Hilt. Ken, thanks so much for being with us on the show today. Well, thank you. All right. So let's finish talking a little bit about protecting ourselves from theft. That really is always something on my mind. Nothing against the people who work at hotels, and I'm sure, uh, you know, they they vet them and they're bonded and all of that. But I still always feel like I have to hide my stuff. (laughs) So what are some tips you can offer there? Right. Um, You know, uh, the most important thing and and most obvious is is there's usually a safe in the room or a safe at the front desk. And and while it's like, well, gosh, you know, they probably got access uh, to that. uh, If you think about it, and historically none of your friends have ever said, I I had the stuff stole out of my safe (laughs) or I had the stuff stole from the front desk. So, yes. Please, please, please use the the hotel room safe or use the front desk safe if it is available to you. The next thing that I would uh, recommend is, you know, split your resources, split your cash. Don't have it all in one place. And, yes, I do use a money belt. Uh, uh, You know, I have an old beat-up belt, and uh, I had uh, a local leather shop put uh, a zipper on the inside of it, and and I can put uh, money in there as well. Uh, we know from pickpockets that, that it is tougher to, to uh, steal a wallet from your front pocket than it is your back pocket. Uh, I know my wife tends to, to uh, wrap her purse around her shoulders, you know, to where it kind of runs diagonally, the strap runs diagonally. Um, you know, a couple things, obviously, then she's you know, inviting people to simply cut that, mm. or if they grab it and run, uh, they've got to drag her, and she's likely to become hurt as well. But uh, uh, certainly, those are uh, things that you can do. Uh, I also really recommend that you make copies of your passports, your driver's licenses, uh, you know, those kinds of things, and make a couple copies. Leave one set at home in case you have to call home and say. Hey, I don't, you know, I can't find this. Can you call the number for me or what have you? Uh, and then maybe have a copy of them in your safe. Uh, so have them in a couple of different places. That way, if you need to cancel a credit card, uh, you've got the 1-800 number. So otherwise, it's on the back of the card and they've, they've run off with right, it. Right, right. It's right. not available. It's not available to you. Right. Um, I do. Uh, 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 I, I decline maid service. Uh, I leave the sign out uh, on outside the door. Uh, I leave the TV going. I leave the lights on. Um, and uh, um, you can also, uh, uh, and this is, this is very unique. Uh, if you're there, let's say, oh, I don't know, three to five days, and uh, if someone is watching you and if someone is starting to focus on you, one of the things that you might consider, and you wouldn't necessarily know, know that they are watching you, but after three days or so, you might ask to move your room. Mm. Just, just go to the front desk and say, I'd like to change rooms. Mm-hmm. And, and the person who was expecting you to be in room 222 now does not know that you have moved to room 111 or 333. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that, and if they 
do notice that, then that will send a message to them that, um, hey, they've noticed that I'm that they're being surveilled mm-hmm. or what have you. Good, good tips. I also, go ahead. I'm saying good tips. So let's let's go ahead and move on so that we can get to some other topics before we run out of time. Um, let's sure. talk about when you're traveling abroad, and I think these tips that you were just sharing are, are relevant when we're overseas as well. But talk a little bit about um, U.S. State Department travel warnings. We've all heard of that before, but what really is that, and what are the kinds of things that they're, they're maybe warning us about, and how do we respond to those when we're making decisions about where to take our vacations? Well, I encourage your listeners that if they're going overseas to go to uh, their Google site and and uh, Google uh, U.S. State Department travel warnings, and uh, it, it's it's easily located. And then uh, it'll ask you, you know, where are you contemplating going? And if you're contemplating going to Mexico, it'll tell you the kind of concerns that they have in each of the cities or states or, uh, within Mexico, and. Um, They'll also share with you what they're telling U.S. government personnel who are in that particular area. They'll say, don't travel after dark mm. or, uh, hey, there is, a, you know, drug cartel activity here or things as such. And so uh, please take those seriously. Um, you know, it's not something that we're necessarily concerned about in Colorado Springs, uh, nor up in Aurora or, you know, the Denver metro area. But, but that is uh, a reality uh, in, in life in, in certain parts of Mexico and, you know, some other places where we might consider going uh, on spring break. Mm-hmm. Good, good advice. So when we see um, uh, travel warning versus travel alert, what would be the difference between that, a travel warning versus a, a, a travel alert? Dr. Peggy, I don't know. Okay. Well, well, we'll have to Google that. Any of my listeners who want to who want to send us that answer, I wonder if some are just kind of the more ongoing things like um, maybe civil war or unstable governments uh, versus maybe something temporary um, like a health 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 warning, perhaps. But uh, any of my listeners who want to shoot me an um, email or post on, on my Facebook, please let me know if you're aware of that answer. So when we're abroad, or, or what are some of the other things we should be concerned about in terms of um, being obviously in unfamiliar places? Uh, that happens anytime we travel, but perhaps being in an unfamiliar country with different different even um, traffic, uh, traffic laws or um, cultural norms that we wouldn't be aware of that might put us more at risk. Right. While you were talking, I had the opportunity to Google that. Oh, great. <laughs> Technology. The U.S. the U.S. Department of State issues a travel warning when it identifies a chronic and sustained threat to U.S. citizens in a given country. A travel alert usually addresses problems of finite duration, mm-hmm. such as elections, public demonstrations, or hurricanes. Excellent. So, Good. So it's really important to be mindful of because with a travel alert, it may make the news perhaps, but um, a travel warning, if it's just a more kind of that's kind of how it is, if if we're not doing our research before we make our travel plans, we may end up traveling somewhere that there's actually an ongoing concern. Right. Um, to get to your other question, you know, we uh, I think we're all familiar with the proverbial, hey, don't drink the water in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And uh, and. 
And of course, uh, you know, in certain countries, uh, you know, what they're driving on the opposite side of the road, which, you know, that's fine if you're not driving, but, you know, even uh, we're accustomed to stepping off the sidewalk into the, the, the street and looking left for, you know, vehicles that are crossing us left to right. Well, if the, if the traffic pattern, if they drive on the other side of the road, you know, you're looking left and the car's coming from the right. So it's certainly that, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also find that, you know, if we're traveling by foot, um, you know, you want to be careful uh, you know, about being in parking lots or, or avoiding walking by, you know, vans, large passenger vans, uh, uh, SUVs and such. Yeah, all things being equal, if you can walk by the Honda Civic, walk by the Honda Civic as opposed to the Chevy Tahoe, you know, uh, you know with the dark tinted windows mm. and such. Um, uh, that, you know, not too many people are being kidnapped in Priuses. <laughs> or the little smart cars, huh? Right, right. And, and, and of course, and why would somebody want to do that? Uh, you know, perhaps as you were, you were out and about, you're wearing, you know, you're flashing a lot of jewelry, you're flashing cash, uh, you look like you've got money to spend. Uh, you know, uh, there have been stories of, of uh, tourists being kidnapped and being forced to go to ATMs and withdraw money and such. Uh, so, you know, you want to be careful uh, to try to blend in as best you can. And, of course, when we're, you know, when when we're coming from Colorado after winter and, you know, uh, 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 you know, and we're wearing our Hawaiian shirts with our Nikon around our neck and such, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, we do kind of stick out a little bit. Yeah. So some of these things we may not be able to avoid. Obviously, if you're traveling as a tourist, you obviously have money on you because that's what you're there to do is spend your money. So it really is, again, that situational awareness, just being using some common sense and um, having your eyes open and paying attention uh, and trusting your trusting your instincts as you as you started out with. We only have about a minute left, uh, Ken. And I want to just wrap up the show again because we don't want it to be gloom and doom. Uh, we want everyone to enjoy their spring break, but we want them to stay safe. Um, and in, in that regard, talk about just briefly, just just in the short time we have, just a word or two about the importance of bystander intervention. If somebody um, is, is traveling with a companion or on spring break with friends, uh, how is, important is it for you to keep an eye out for one another? Well, and, and that's, that's the key of bystander intervention. It, and, and, of course, you know, Dr. Peggy, you and I know one another, and there's probably nothing you wouldn't do to help me, no I with you. But what we're finding is is that what's really working on college campuses is the concept of bystander intervention and perhaps even in, uh, that of strangers. And that's where we see something bad going on and we go to uh, intervene uh, on that part. Now, it can be direct intervention or it can be indirect where, you know, hey, we call somebody, perhaps the, the police or what have you, or perhaps we create a distraction. All right. And Ken, and, that's all we're going to have time for, unfortunately. My guest has been Ken Hilty. Thank you so much, Ken, for being a part of the show today. Outstanding. Uh, Best of luck to you and your uh, listeners over spring break. Thanks so much, Ken. Everyone, I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark reminding you to live well. 
Thank you for listening to today's episode of Living Well with Dr. Peg, brought to you every week by SSI Guardian. To listen to previous episodes, learn more about Dr. Peg's mental health and safety workshops, or to register for an upcoming VIP personal transformation retreat, visit drpegradio.com. You can also purchase Dr. Peg's books, Do Something Different for a Change, and Doggy Tales, Lessons on Life, Love, and Loss I Learned from My Dog, online at drpegradio.com. And remember to join us every Saturday at 1 p.m. on 94.7 KRKS for Living Well with Dr. Peg.